A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Jesus was coming that way, uh, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, Has he gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you're a parent, you should be aware, and I'm sure you might be aware, that a few weeks ago there was a really, really disgusting thing which was taking place on YouTube. So there was this, this Japanese developer who on YouTube created this, this character called Momo. And what Momo was doing was, was he was like a, a kid's cartoon character almost, and he was appearing as a commercial in between uh, kids' programs on YouTube. So you can imagine, you know how YouTube shows videos uh, for kids and things like that, and usually they have commercials at the, start of, at the start of the video, but this video was appearing, this Momo commercial was appearing in the middle of the video for about 10 seconds, and it was telling kids to do all sorts of terrible things, like cut themselves, put forks into electric circuits and things like that. And it was warning the children not to tell their parents, otherwise something bad could happen. And when you just think about it, because there were children who died as a result of this, like how sick, how sick and how vile must the individual who created those ads be to do something like that? How truly sick and disgusting a person must be to do that, to, to bring harm to little children and to bring harm to them in a space where they're usually in a safe space? Like how terrible is, is that that someone could do that? But the, the, the tragedy of this whole Momo thing is that not only do you have a bad person who's done this, you also have a bad system at work which is allowing this to happen. So what do I mean by that? Well, when you look at YouTube, YouTube does have responsibilities as to what content goes online. But YouTube are also very limited in the way that they can deal with these sorts of things. Because despite however many algorithms you have to try and and, and try to weed this stuff out. Thousands of videos are posted every single day on YouTube. Thousands of, commer of commercials run on YouTube every single day. There are millions of viewers on YouTube every day. It would be near impossible to filter all of these things out. And then there are also the responsibility that parents bear. So what we have with this Momo thing is we not only have a sick, sick, bad individual who's doing this, but we also have a sick system and a bad system at work. The reason why I mention this is I want us to think about these two things, bad people doing bad things and also bad systems. Zacchaeus falls into that category. Zacchaeus is a bad man. He is a very bad man. He has done terrible things. He has ripped people off. He has stolen money from people. But he is not only a bad man who's done all of these things, he's a man who's part of a bad system. He works on behalf of of the Roman Empire to collect taxes. So it isn't just Zacchaeus who does evil things, but it is the Roman Empire who he works for who does evil things. But the tragedy of Zacchaeus' story is that 
not only is he a bad man doing bad things, part of a bad system, he is part of a necessary system. Look at it this way. We're in the midst of a, well, we have been in the midst of a royal commission into the banking sector in which banks have been brought to justice, well, attempted to be brought to justice to shed light on some of the things that they have done. But what people don't realize is that the the Australian economy is also so reliant on the sin and the evils of the bank for success. I work for a bank, so if I didn't work for that bank and the bank was to be shut down because of the evil things that they did, I would be out of a job. So would thousands of people. If the banks were, if heavy punishment and heavy fines and imprisonment and things were put on the bank, that would affect the majority of people in this room because it would see thousands of business owners who don't have the funds anymore to do their business anymore. It would see thousands of pensioners affected in terms of superannuation because their super funds have funds invested in the profitability of the banks. So we find Zacchaeus in a position that we are. We see bad people doing bad things in the world, but the world relies on these bad people doing these bad things, otherwise people lose out on a lot of money. And Zacchaeus was in that position. He was a sinful tax collector working to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire, the same Roman Empire that was oppressing thousands of people, enslaving thousands of people, enslaved the Jewish people, but yet at the same time they were the same Roman Empire who People relied on their tax dollars to keep stability. They were relying on their tax dollars to build water ducts and aqueducts and things and various roads and transportation systems. So Zacchaeus is a bad man. He's a bad man who has betrayed his people. He's done evil. He's a dirty, rotten tax collector. I want to spend the majority of our time today looking at the actual text of the story, and then from there, we'll come back to some points of application at the end. But Zacchaeus, his name means pure or innocent. That's what his name means. But as an individual, he is the very opposite. He's a tax collector. He's vermin. The Jewish people regarded tax collectors as traitors. People who had turned their back on their ancestry, on their forefathers, to serve the Roman Empire, who were enslaving them, who had come in and invaded their land, who shortly after the life of Jesus would come in and destroy their temple. He was a dirty tax collector. And not only was he a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which means he had other tax collectors working for him. People regarded tax collectors in those days as this, on the same level as prostitutes, on the same level of, as criminals, robbers, as thieves. One writer describes tax collectors as the same as brothel owners. They weren't just traders, they were scum. They were cheating people. We don't have an equivalent of this today. Yes, we might have certain ills towards you know, parking inspectors and dodgy lawyers and used car salesmen and telemarketers and things like that. But this is a a tax collector. Zacchaeus is not a good person. He's ripped off hundreds of people and he's made a lot of money for himself at the expense of others. Rome, as an empire, was obviously a big empire, the largest of its time. And they had many ways of taxing people. They taxed nations when they invaded them and they conquered them. They would tax them and make them pay tribute. They also taxed people for land, 
They taxed people for commercial purposes. If you were a trader, you got taxed on your imports and your exports. There were head taxes and poll taxes and things like that. You know, if you remember in the story of Jesus, uh, the birth of Jesus, when Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem, they're going to take part in a census. Why? Because it was for taxation purposes. Joseph, as a member of the house of David, probably had land in Bethlehem, needed to go get his name registered so the government would know how to tax him. But the Romans didn't have an Australian tax office or an IRS, you know, one governing body who taxed all the people. They essentially left it up to the different communities and the different areas to collect taxes for themselves. And what happened, now this, this finished by the time of Jesus, but it was there for centuries, and, and the corruption that, 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 took, that grew out of this initial system was still very much evident in Jesus' time. But what they would do is they would put the responsibility of collecting taxes to the officials and the, the wealthy people of an area. So what Rome would do is they would sort of divide their empire up into different regions and different people groups, and based off the numbers of people and the wealth of the land and things like that and the community, what they did, were they a port community, were they a farming community, they would estimate the value, the numbers of tax dollars that they wanted to collect from a particular area. So our government, imagine if our government, you know, divided New South Wales and said, look, the Liverpool, Fairfield, Liverpool area, they say, you know, 500,000 people living there, hypothetically. You know, this is what they do, this is what the average income is. We want to, say, collect $1 million from this whole region every year. So that's what Rome would do. They would divide it up, they would calculate it. Then what they would do is they would, they would appoint people to bid as to who could collect the highest amount. So wealthy business owners would come to, to Rome and say, we believe that we can collect a million one hundred thousand dollars from this region. Somebody else would come and say, I think I can collect 1.5 million from this region. And then Rome would sell the contract to the highest bidder. So that wealthy landowner, that wealthy business owner would be, he would pay the government so the empire got their money, they were happy, and then they would leave and give power to that individual to go back to the community and collect the tax dollars. They would give them a legion, they would give them an army behind them as well. They could call on troops if they needed to, if they had problems with the community. So you can imagine that this system was designed for corruption. It was designed for certain people to profit and for other people to lose out. And Zacchaeus, although that actual system had been replaced by something else at his time, the seeds of corruption were always there. So not only is Zacchaeus a traitor to the Jewish people, but he is a corrupt business owner who is earning thousands of dollars at the expense of other people who he's betrayed. There's the other thing that Zacchaeus doesn't have going for him. He's short. So when the crowd comes to surround Jesus, he doesn't have the ability to see Jesus. Now, our English translations are a little bit off on that part. It actually means not only that he's short, but he's actually young. He's actually young. So you can imagine a group of people swarm Jesus, the celebrity, as he enters Jerusalem. And here's Zacchaeus, the traitor, who wants to get an audience with the king. And he can't. He's short, he's young, he's arrogant, he's a traitor. So he does something that he isn't supposed to do. Instead of calling on his legions and his army to say, hey, I want an audience with this guy, get him to me, bring him to my house. No, no, no. He climbs a tree. Jewish men don't climb trees. That's something children do. He climbs a tree. 
wanting to see this miracle worker, this celebrity who he's heard about from town to town, whose reputation has grown. He climbs a sycamore tree and looks out on the crowd. And Jesus being swarmed by hundreds, thousands of people. Some of them have come to him for healing. And remember, not only is Jesus a celebrity, right before coming into Jericho, he's healed a man who was born blind. He's so popular. And Zacchaeus climbs a tree and he's looking at Jesus just to get a glimpse of him. Not only does the text say that Jesus wanted to see, that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, it says Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was. He wanted to know who this man more popular than he was in the community. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops and looks into that sycamore tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have a meal with you. I want to come to your house. What was that moment like? What was that moment when Zacchaeus, sitting in the tree, looked out and staring back at him was his creator? What was that moment like? Zacchaeus, standing face to face with his creator, looking at him in the eyes. What was that moment like? We all have that moment, that Zacchaeus moment, where we will stand face to face of our Creator. We will stand before Jesus and look at Him directly in the face. And you know what Jesus could have done? You know what the people wanted Him to do? The people wanted Him to say, there's Zacchaeus. There's that dirty, rotten sinner. Let's pull him out of the tree and let's stone him to death. That's what the people wanted Jesus to say. Let's get him. He's stolen from us. He's stolen from our people. He's betrayed us. He's a criminal. Let's get him before a royal commission. Let's put him in prison. Let's stone him to death. That's what they wanted. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Zacchaeus, come down. Come down. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have a meal with you. What is Jesus doing? What is he doing The house of a tax collector is no place for someone of Jesus' reputation. Jesus is an honourable man. He comes from a good family. He's got a good reputation. He's a rabbi. He's a miracle worker. He does not belong in the same house as a traitor. And not just that. Not just that. Food and a meal in the Jewish culture, as it is in so many cultures today, is so important. When you gathered around a meal, there was no fast food, there was no McDonald's, there was no pizza. You gathered and you entered into a sacred time together, a fellowship. And the way the houses were built those days, you could typically see into somebody's house from the outside courtyard. And you can imagine, Zacchaeus is a wealthy man. He would have had a big house with a big courtyard. Jesus, the celebrity, is being flocked by thousands of people. When Jesus went to the house of this tax collector, the people would have followed him. They would have wanted to see Zacchaeus get his comeuppance. They would have followed Jesus to see what happens. But yet, Jesus enters the house of this traitor. What were the people saying to him? They began to mutter and say, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus acknowledged 
the criticisms that were coming his way. He said, the Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they say, look at this glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and of sinners. This moment here could have derailed Jesus' ministry completely. It could have caused his ministry to collapse completely. It could have caused people to turn away from him in droves. How often do we see it sometimes with our politicians? Very popular, and suddenly they say something on Twitter, they say something on YouTube, they're seen doing the wrong thing, posting the wrong comments, saying the wrong status, and all of a sudden, their whole political career falls down the drain. It happened uh, to the Labor um, Senator Sam Dastiari a few years ago, who was caught and his phone was tapped, having, he was having dealings and having business lunches with, with, with Chinese business dealings, dealers. And people saw this as a sign of corrupt activity on his part. His whole life went down the Google. This is that moment for Jesus. He's gone to be in fellowship with a tax collector. Notice what Jesus does. He degrades himself in order to have fellowship with Zacchaeus. He puts his own reputation on the line in order to have fellowship with Zacchaeus. And that's what Jesus did for all of us. He puts his own reputation on the line to be in fellowship with us. That's what he did at the cross. That's what Good Friday is about. It's about God. It's about Jesus putting his own reputation on the line as a righteous one, becoming a sinner in the eyes of God. This crowd is not wrong in their criticism of Jesus at this point. We think they're wrong. They're not. If your child went to be at the house of a murderer, how many of you would endorse that? This crowd is not wrong. They're right in their criticism. How is this man, this man with such a great reputation, how is he at the house of a tax collector? We're talking about freedom from the past. The only reason why we can have freedom from the past is that Jesus says to us, it ain't about your reputation, it's about my reputation. It isn't about Zacchaeus' bad reputation as a bad, dirty, rotten tax collector, it's about Jesus' reputation. Jesus degrades himself in the eyes of others to have fellowship with Zacchaeus. And that's what he's done for us. This isn't just about a meal to Jesus. No, no, this is about an example. What is this meal with Zacchaeus an example of? It is an example of what heaven will be like. When Jesus himself referred to this day of a great banquet to come, and he said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. In the book of Isaiah, it proclaims, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying to the world, he's declaring to the world publicly, he's putting it on his Twitter page, he's putting it on his Facebook, he's posting on his Instagram, he's taking a selfie with a tax collector and he's saying to everybody that this is what heaven will be like. I'm setting things in concrete now. In the same way that Zacchaeus will have fellowship with God in heaven, I want to have fellowship with him as of today. Forget about his bad reputation. It's me and my reputation that's on the line here. And that's what he did at the cross. When they were cursing him and they were abusing him, he was saying, I'll take the bad reputation today. I'll take it. I'll separate myself from God. 
but I'm going to do this so that you, who actually is the one with the bad reputation, you who is actually the tax collector, you who is the one who is guilty of sin, you who the one who has a pornography addiction, you're the one who has the gambling addiction, I'm going to take the bad reputation that you should have as a result of that. I'll break fellowship with God, but in the end, you betcha, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to bring the whole fellowship back together. That's what Jesus is doing in this moment. God made him who knew no sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. And Zacchaeus' response is powerful to this act because Zacchaeus knows that he's a bad man. He knows that the people are judging him. He knows the people are hating him. He knows that he's a sinner. He knows he's done the wrong thing. But yet, he wants Jesus to pull him out of his sin. He wants Jesus to get him out of the bad system that he's found himself in. That's the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is, yeah, you have a bad past. Yes, you have a bad reputation. Are you going to allow Jesus to pull you out of that? Are you going to allow him to take you from your sin and pull you out of it? Are you going to allow him to take you out of the corrupt system whether it's a corrupt relationship, whether it's, a, it's an addiction to gambling, an addiction to pornography, an addiction to alcohol. Maybe it's an addiction to work. Maybe it's an addiction to, to drugs. What addiction, what system are you so caught up in that you need Jesus to pull you out of? That was what Zacchaeus did. He put his hand up and he acknowledged his faults. He said, yes, I'm bad. The sad reality is for so many people, they don't want Jesus to come into their hearts. They don't want Jesus to enter their house because his light will expose their evil. John said, this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Jeremiah said this, you live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me, declares the Lord. But Zacchaeus acknowledged Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted fellowship with Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted Jesus to pull him out of his bad life and his bad patterns. Jesus gives this invitation to every person. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Zacchaeus, eye to eye to Jesus. Jesus gave him the invitation and he responded. He took his opportunity and if you're wondering why he offered to pay back four times what he had taken people, what he had stolen from other people, that was the principle given by God in the book of Exodus. Where you have cheated somebody, where you have done the wrong thing, you pay back four times. It wasn't just about um, retribution, it was actually about repentance. And that's what Zacchaeus does. So how should we apply the story of Zacchaeus to our lives? Well, the first thing is this. Much like Zacchaeus, despite your past, Despite your bad reputation, you belong with Jesus no matter what. No matter what Zacchaeus had done, he had fellowship with Jesus because of Jesus. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. In other words, forget his past, move beyond what he's done. He too belongs here. He too has a place with me. And Jesus did this in his ministry. He went back having fellowship with tax collectors, having fellowship with sinners, having fellowship with prostitutes, having fellowship with women, people who society had shunned, and he brought them back into fellowship with God. 
And you and I are part of that fellowship. We belong with Jesus no matter what anybody else tells us. If people come to you and say, you know, you're a bad person, you say and claim to follow God, and yet you still do the wrong things. That's not a license to do the wrong things, but it's still an amen because Jesus still wants fellowship with me. He still thinks me worthy to be in fellowship with him. The second thing is this, like Zacchaeus, you have to be able to recognize when you're part of a bad system. You have to be willing to put your hand up and say, yeah, I've done the wrong thing. Zacchaeus had to make a public declaration of his sin before the people. He had to say, if I've cheated anybody, come back to me. I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to give my money to the poor. He had to make that declaration. For a lot of us, when we get into bad habits, we don't want to acknowledge them. We don't want to acknowledge when we've done the wrong thing, when we've posted the wrong thing online, when we've, when we've gotten angry at that person, when we've got an addiction to something. We don't want to acknowledge that. Zacchaeus wanted to put his hand up and say, yes, I've done the wrong thing, and Jesus, you need to pull me out of it. The second thing is, the third thing is this. Sometimes there are systems in your life, there are parts of your life which Jesus doesn't want to pull you out of, but what he wants is he wants to reform your behavior in that, within that system. It's very easy, you know, when, when, when you're having marriage difficulties or you're having problems at school and things like that, God, pull me out of this system. But more often than not, what God actually wants to do is He actually wants to reform you within that system. Yeah, there are a lot of times where it's a bad thing and He wants to pull you out of. But with Zacchaeus, He doesn't say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, stop being a tax collector. No, He acknowledges the importance of the job that Zacchaeus does. But what Jesus wants Zacchaeus to do is to be an honest tax collector, to deal honestly with what he does. And that same call happens to us. Is sometimes we're in systems where, you know, we're in a bad marriage or things like that, and God is saying, no, no, don't get out of it. Stay in it. You just need to do a better job of it. The fourth thing is this. The powerful lesson of Zacchaeus is that God takes what was his weakness and turns it into his greatest asset. Zacchaeus had earned lots of money cheating the community. Now, his money can be turned for good, to bless the community. And so often we see that in life when people walk with God. They're struggling with something, they're struggling with sin, and God turns that around and uses that as a source of blessing to others. How many times have you heard the testimony of somebody who was struggling with something really deeply, and God came into their life and transformed them, and then through the power of their story, they help you, they become a blessing to you? That's what Jesus is doing with Zacchaeus here. He's turning Zacchaeus' weakness into a blessing for other people. And that's what it means to have fellowship with Jesus. It means that Jesus will turn your weaknesses into a blessing for other people. You know, if, if you've got a bad relationship, say you're a dad and you've got a bad relationship with your kids, and you want to have a good relationship with your kids, Jesus has the ability to change your character so that your kids will see the person you were and see the change in you and be like, and they will glorify God as a result of it. You know, how many of you will have, have had addictions or bad habits and you've been around the wrong types of people and, and when you've reformed and Jesus has come into your life, you have then been the blessing to those people and led them to the Lord as well. That's what Zacchaeus is being called to do by Jesus. And this great point of application, which is so important at Easter time, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he's still seeking and saving the lost. There are still people out there who are lost, who Jesus is seeking after. Today, he's doing it through his community of people. 
He wasn't just doing this meal with Zacchaeus for himself. He was doing it as a witness to his disciples so that they would then go out and like Jesus sought after the lost by having a meal with them, he called us to do the same thing. If you're not eating and having fellowship with tax collectors and sinners like Jesus was, then we're letting down the team, so to speak, because that's what Jesus has called us to do. And how powerful is it? How powerful is it that Jesus said these words to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Luke only records two things that Jesus said in this whole episode. He's having lunch, he's having dinner with Zacchaeus, or he's having a meal with Zacchaeus. He must have said a lot more than this, but Luke only records two things. I must stay at your house today, and today salvation has come to this house. What was Jesus saying? He was saying that salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus because the Savior has arrived on the scene. I must stay at your house today. Why was Jesus so determined to stay at the house of Zacchaeus? Because Jesus knew that unless he stayed at the house of Zacchaeus, salvation couldn't come. We can't have salvation unless Jesus stays at our house. We can't have salvation unless Jesus is actually in your heart to begin with. That is the importance of this message of of Zacchaeus. And it's incredible that Zacchaeus, if he wanted to repent, he actually could have even before Jesus came to his community. If Zacchaeus wanted to repent, all he would have had to do is go to the temple, offer some sacrifices, and God would have forgiven his sins. That's what he was as a Jew was commanded to do. But do you think if Zacchaeus had have done that, if he had have put his hand up and said, you know, I'm wrong, I've done the wrong thing, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, let me go to the temple, offer a sacrifice, and my sins will be forgiven, do you think his community would have still welcomed him back? No way. No way. In their mind, Zacchaeus was too far gone. He was too far gone already. But Jesus knew that there is a way. There is a way. There is a community that Zacchaeus can still be part of. It is his eternal kingdom. That's the community. The first verse of this passage, this first verse of this chapter is probably the most important verse of the whole story of Zacchaeus. It says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and was passing through. What? Who goes to Jericho and passes through Jericho? That's like going to Gallipoli and just passing through Gallipoli without stopping. It's like going to Egypt and just passing through without looking at the pyramids or looking at the Temple of Karnak. It's like going to Rome and passing by the Colosseum and not caring. Did Jesus forget the powerful thing God did in this community at Jericho? Did he forget the powerful story of Joshua and the trumpets and and, and the walls coming crashing down? Why didn't Jesus stop to spend some time in Jericho? Why didn't he have a holiday there? If he's passing through Jericho, he must be passing through for a reason. He must be going somewhere. And where's he going? He's going to Friday. He's going to his crucifixion. That's where he's going. I don't know about you, but if I were going to my horrible, torturous death, I wouldn't have a care about anybody. I wouldn't be worried about having fellowship with anybody. I'd be worried about going in the opposite direction to where I'm about to die. But Jesus, and Luke goes to great pains to point this out, He's passing through Jericho because he's got a mission. His mission is to get to the cross. His mission is to get 
to his point of crucifixion. And yet, in his love for humanity, he was still concerned, even at that moment, of having fellowship with one sinner. Isn't that such a powerful example for us at Easter this time? That Jesus, going to his death, was so determined to seek and to save the lost, that even days out from his death, he stopped to have fellowship with a sinner, with a tax collector like Zacchaeus. If he's got the willingness to do that for Zacchaeus, he has the willingness to do that for each and every one of us. That was the purpose of Jesus' ministry, to pass through Jericho, to get to the cross. Our freedom from the past, our victory over the past, doesn't come today, came at the cross. That's when Jesus gave us freedom from the past. We don't need to live in bondage anymore. We don't need to live in the past. We don't need to be victims of anything that we've done in the past because Jesus has already given us victory. He's already forgiven us for everything that we've done. It came at Good Friday. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for, for the, the time you spent with Zacchaeus, Lord, for the powerful example and witness out of the life of Zacchaeus that you give to us here today. Lord, that, that we are like Zacchaeus, Lord, people of, of, of bad reputations with a bad past, Lord. But we have the ability to be made new, to be forgiven through what you have done for us at the cross, Lord Jesus. And we pray for each of us that we will have fellowship with you and we will have fellowship with your community. Father, I don't know the pain and the struggling that anybody in this church community is going through, Lord, but you do, Lord. We pray that you will journey with them, Lord, that you will, you will give them that same comfort that you gave to Zacchaeus that day. And Lord, for our, our church as a community this Easter time, Lord, as we begin to, to reflect and to meditate and to ponder what it meant for you to die for our sins and to be raised to life, Lord, we pray that we will, we will be out there seeking to save the lost just like you were, Lord, that we will be willing to have fellowship with, with our friends and our family, the ones who don't know you, Lord, the ones who, who maybe have a bad reputation in our eyes, Lord, that we might be willing to invest the same time in them, Lord, even to the point of death like you were willing to do, Lord Jesus. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.